I'm Todd Dills, and this is Overdrive Radio. The last of three separate seminars at the Mid-American Trucking Show conducted by Sirius XM radio host and owner-op coach consultant Kevin Rutherford was built to focus on surviving the first year under your own authority as an owner-op. Rutherford in recent years has pushed the idea that owner-operators with authority pursuing relationships with brokers to move freight could make for the most efficient in the models in trucking, as long as all parties are honest with each other. As any regular reader will know, however, that's not always the case when we're talking about brokerages. And the same can be said about some trucking companies, large and small for that matter, as plenty of decent brokers emphasize in conversation. If a culture of dishonesty exists in the dark corners of the freight brokerage world, it's exacerbated by communication breakdown that can result from a culture of entitlement among some owner-ops themselves, Rutherford suggests. Too many, he believes, shoot themselves in the foot. The view of a freight broker they're working with as at best a necessary evil as something less than their central customer. For an owner-operating business as a motor carrier with authority and working primarily with brokers, those brokers are the customer because they're the people paying you for your business's service, Rutherford emphasizes. Too often, the sense of entitlement to freight among owner-operators working low bores and exclusively chasing freight rates above all else one and done is the phrase brokers sometimes derisively use to refer to such owner-ops, he points out. That's the principal issue in communication breakdown often between the parties, he, he says. And Rutherford's central messages on surviving that first year as an independent with authority? Use business basics and know and track your costs, revenues and net income so that you know when you're doing what any business ought to be in business for, making profit. Define the business model as much as you can to specialize in particular freight or in a lane, and perhaps most importantly, work hard to establish tight relationships with that customer, whether that's a direct shipper customer or, yes, a few or several brokers you serve as you would any customer. The most important piece of any business is calculus, without which the rest of it doesn't it just doesn't happen. Here's Rutherford speaking from the next stage. So, quick warning. If I fall over, for a couple hours, I'll be fine. <laughs> the midnight show and the first morning seminar is not a good combination. So, many of you have been to the sessions. I told you on day one this was going to build on itself over time, but each day stands alone. So, if you walked in for the first day, you're still going to get a lot out of this. I'm going to do one thing a little differently today. I really like questions what I do on the air all the time. And the reason I like questions is the material I could possibly cover would take me a week. In fact, I do it for a week at our event. Five full days, I spend about 35 hours on the stage that week. And I still don't cover all the material I want to cover. So questions help me focus in on what's important to you right now. So what I'm gonna to do today is if I say at the end, we'll have questions. There won't be an end. There never is. I always run out of time. So I'm fine with questions anytime you have one. So just raise your hand. If I if it's not a good point for me to stop, I'll just ignore you. Don't take it personally. And if you're willing, keep your hand up. And when it's a good time, I'll come here. If you ask a question that doesn't pertain to the material right then and keep us on track, don't take it personally, but I'll ignore you again. 
or I'll tell you that's a question you can ask at the back of the room when we're done. Um, and, and because of our schedule here, and there's another seminar right after me, I have to respect that I have to be off the stage right on the minute, but I will go out the back door and I'll take questions, you know, one at a time or a group back there for as long as you want. So, but if you have a question, anything I've covered up till now, I am going to do a little more review today of the first two days, kind of set the stage. And also because one of my favorite sayings is repetition is the mother of all skill. The more we hear something over and over and over, the more we start to really understand it and internalize it. There's a difference between knowing something and really knowing something. And it takes repetition to really know something. That's a struggle for me. I don't like repetition. I like to move on to the next thing. But I, I have to stop myself sometimes and say, look, this is a brand new concept for a lot of people. So there will be, I'm going to go back over kind of the big picture, why we're here, what we're doing. We, we will get to some new material today, some of with the really, really important stuff from yesterday. We'll get to that. So here's kind of what we've been doing all week if you weren't here. Um, this whole series, these three days, have, have really been about one topic. Becoming a successful motor carrier, a profitable motor carrier. So a lot of people in the room already have their authority, but I'm showing them another way to think about business and another way to do business to be more profitable. We're also showing exactly how to move to becoming a motor carrier. That's what this is about. So the first day of the big picture yesterday was more of a kind of step-by-step, -step, the things you just have to do and out of the way. Today I really want to talk about you're in business now. How do we make that first year, how do we make our next year, we've already been in business 10 years, how do we make this year the best it can be? That's my goal in business every year. How do I make this the best year I've ever had? So one of the things I want to talk about is, is the change that can happen when you're in this industry. How many of you came from another job or another industry and became an employee driver, a truck driver? Was that a pretty big change? It's a shock to the system sometimes, isn't it? And sometimes this industry gets romanticized. Oh, I'm going to go see the country and I, isn't this exciting? And I always wanted to be a truck driver when I was a little kid. And then the reality of everyday driving a truck sets in. It's one of the reasons why we have such a huge turnover problem in this industry. People come in, they don't even make it through the first year. This is not your normal lifestyle. You have to be a little weird to, to enjoy this lifestyle. So that's a pretty big change. When you decide that you want to own a truck, that's a bigger change. Now you're running a business. It's the American dream, but for a lot of people it becomes the American nightmare. And, and that's my mission to make sure that doesn't happen. That it really is a dream for people. So I help a lot of people buy their first truck. I help a lot of people become very profitable being leased to carriers. The next change from that point is moving from being leased to a carrier to being that carrier. Well, good morning to you too. That is the single biggest change you will make. 
or it's the single biggest change you should make. And that's what I've been talking about for the last two days. You can't become a motor carrier and keep acting like you were when you were leased with somebody. If you do, you're either going to fail, which I've watched happen many, many times, or in an environment like today, you'll probably pay the bills, but you're going to be taking a lot of risk and you're not going to be making nearly as much money as you should be. And then when freight rates turn around, Will they turn around, by the way? Yes. Yeah. I, I will be standing on this stage sometime in the future saying, boy, this year sucks. I, I've been through this so many times, I could go back and tell you, 94, I was talking about this, 97, I was talking about that, 2006 was this, and it'll happen again. All I can say about this year, in 32, it's the best I've seen. That's exciting. It is a fun time to be in trucking again. And let's enjoy it while we can. Let's make hay while the sun shines. And let's get prepared for when it turns around, because it will. You remember this from yesterday? Every business on the planet has two responsibilities. That's it. But they are responsibilities. It's a heavy word, isn't it? These are your responsibilities as a business. You have to serve the customer. And, and yet, I spend thousands of hours of, of year on the radio talking to people in this business. I come to shows like this and talk to people in this business. And the word customer is almost never uttered. Why do we not talk about the customer? We almost act like we don't have one. I, I say, and I know this, pisses owner-operators off. Too many of them have an entitlement mentality. They believe, I bought a truck, I'm an owner-operator, I'm entitled to freight. Not only am I entitled to freight, I'm entitled to it at whatever rate I think I should get paid. Isn't that right? Don't you see that all the time in this industry? That's a lousy attitude to have. That's an attitude you need to change if you're going to become a, a successful, profitable carrier. I talked yesterday and the day before, and I talk about it almost every day. The way you are successful in business is you provide more value to your customer than anybody else. You provide more value to your customer as much as you possibly can. But if you're going to provide value to the customer, what's the first step? better identify your customer. We don't even stop to do that. When I ask this question, who's your customer? I get the deer in the headlights look. And then I get, well, the shipper. Oh, so you deal directly with the shipper? Oh, no, well, I'm leased to a carrier, but isn't the shipper the customer? No, he's not your customer. It's really easy to identify who your customer is. They pay you. That's your customer. Now, many times the way you provide value to your customer is by providing value to their customer. But don't ever forget who pays you, is that's your customer. So if you're leased to a carrier, who is your customer? The carrier. You've all been around this industry every day. How many owner-operators talk about their carrier? 
like it's their one and only customer? Almost none, right? They almost treat them like the mortal enemy, don't they? Who runs a business like that? Could you imagine owning a store or a shop and every customer that walked through the door and called them a cheating, lying asshole? Oh How well would that work? But isn't that what we do to carriers? Yeah. Isn't that how we talk about them? So if you do become a motor carrier, or you are, and you're using truckstop.com to find your loads, more than likely, who is your customer? A freight broker, right? Who's paying you? How many times in this industry do we talk about the broker like they are our best customer? Never. I, I saw that. You can scream it if you want to. We don't. Very seldom. I do know very good owner-operators and small carriers that get this lesson. They've always gotten it, and they know who the customer is. And they treat them like a customer. And then the response, and I see it on faces in here, yeah, but you don't know the brokers I deal with. They are lying, cheating assholes. Okay, well then find a new customer. How hard is that? How many brokers did Brent tell us the other day there are? 10,000, right? 10,000 potential customers. If yours really is a jerk, go find a new one. And stop trying to deal with 100 brokers a year. Thank you. Does that make sense so far? Is that really, once we stop and think about it, is that earth shattering? And yet, I stood up here 10 years ago to talk about this. Obviously, nobody listens to it. They keep coming back, but I, I had a guy, some of you might have heard this call. I, I was doing a show called Broker Connect because I've seen this lousy relationship for years and it hurts everybody. It hurts the owner-operator and the small carrier, it hurts the broker, and it hurts our ultimate customer, who is the shipping community. Because we fight like cats and dogs. And I wanted to change that. So I thought, you know what, the only time carriers and brokers ever talk is in the negotiation process. And it's not going all that well. So I'm going to start a show, and we're going to get them together, we're just going to talk about stuff. It's been one of my biggest failures for a show idea so far today. And here's why. It totally blew me away. I didn't see this coming. I get a broker on the air. Here's the way the show would work. I get a broker on the air. We talk about their operation. We talk about their freight. I ask them some questions. Then we open up the phone lines. And let you ask questions. I never, ever on my show in 12 years have no questions. Ever. It has not happened one time. My phone lines are jammed every show. We opened up questions for the first show, crickets. Are the phones not working? Can you hear me now? No questions. So I talked to the broker for an hour, which is fine. I can talk all day. Well, that was weird. So next week we did the show again. Same thing. I got one question. I thought, what is going on? I, I never figured out what the problem is. I can't get anybody to ask the brokers on my show a question. We stopped doing the show because it was just me talking to brokers every week. I, I, I still don't know why. So that obviously didn't work. But we've got to improve this relationship. 
we should be a team. You need to find good brokers. If you get one thing out of, of how you're going to be successful at this as a motor carrier, it's find good customers and build relationships with them. And if you just absolutely hate brokers, then go around them. Go to the shipper and you will find out how the brokers earn their money. Because that's the other thing owner operators think. Why do they get that percentage, whatever it happens to be? They're not doing the work I am. Okay, well then you go to the shipper and you will find out the work they're doing. They earn every penny of what they make. And so do you. I'm not saying you don't. But don't take away the part that they do. Or if you want to, then go compete with them. Go to the shipper and, and you'll see that's a tough business. So I had a guy call me after this show. He, he didn't call and talk to one of the brokers. He waited until I was on the air taking general questions and he called me and he said, you are so wrong. And I said, what? Probably am. I've been known to be wrong before, but tell me what I was wrong about this time. Brokers don't know anything about customer service and relationships and because I was talking about providing value to your customer and that whole thing. They don't know anything about providing value to the customer. I said, what? I said, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I said, I deal with brokers all the time. And clearly, there are lousy brokers. But there are some that are really good at what they do. They know who their customer is. They serve them really well. And he said, no, they don't. They screw me every time. They don't provide any value. <laughs> and I said, oh, wait a minute. Stop. You've got this so backwards, no wonder why you're angry. You think you're the broker's customer? And he says, of course I am. What world did I wake up in this morning? I said, let me give you a clue. And I went through the whole thing. The customer is always the one that pays you. And he said, I pay them. What? I, I said, I've done a lot of accounting for owner operators. I haven't found a check yet that somebody wrote to a broker. When did you pay the broker? And he said, well, that was my freight, and they took their piece out of it. I said, really? You went to the shipper and sold that freight, and then somehow the broker got a piece of it? How did that happen? Well, no, but it's my freight. I moved it. No, the broker sold that. That's the broker's customer, and he paid you to move it. it, it we have this whole equation so backwards in this industry no wonder why we're upset. So it's why I spend a lot of time on this concept. Because when you get this, everything will change. And I mean really get it. I mean feel it and internalize it. So I get a little passionate about that. You have to serve the customer. That's number one. You have to make a profit. Because if you don't, you won't be in business to serve the customer. So I focus on two big things, and it's probably all we're going to talk about for the rest of today. I've been talking about it. Serve the customer and serve them better than anybody else does. And then know your numbers. And this is another place we really fall down in this industry. 20-some years ago when I stood on the stage, and the first question I asked in my first seminar was, how many owner-operators in the room have an accounting system and you can tell me your numbers right now? And it was less than 5% of the room. And I said, no, we're going to stay here. Raise your hand if you, and it was still less than 
And if I were to do it today, it would probably still be less than 10%. Nobody listens to me. Because I've been saying this for 20 some years. If you're going to be in business, you need a scorecard. How do you know if you're winning without a scorecard? Unless you subscribe to that philosophy of everybody gets a trophy and we don't keep score. <laughs> and if you do, you're in the wrong room, by the way. Business is competitive, and that's a good thing. I love competition. Entrepreneurs thrive on competition, but you need a scorecard. And to know if you're winning in business, you need to know if you're making money, because isn't that what we're here for? Really, I don't think most of us got into business to serve the customer, some do. But really, I think most people get into business to make money, right? That's kind of the idea. And yet, we don't measure how we're making money. I don't understand it. So we're going to talk about the tech. And here's the thing. Most people do one of two things when it comes to accounting. Most just ignore it completely. The others seem to overcomplicate it. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's third grade math. Not common for third grade math. Just third grade math. And I'll show you today. It doesn't have to be hard. We all know this, we've heard it many times. Failing to plan is planning to fail. So what is the most important thing you can do? Today it's about that first year. We've been past the other stuff we had to do. We're in business now. The single most important thing you can do to be really profitable in that first year is all the stuff we've been talking about. It's the planning, it's the stuff before you go out and start pulling a load. It's getting your business model defined. What does that mean? What, what, does, what do I mean when I say get your business model defined? What kind of trailer are you going to pull? What kind of freight are you going to pull? What part of the country do you want to work in? There's a certain kind of freight you want to specialize in. Are there certain lanes? I, I would say this. Become a specialist. Don't do what just everybody does. Oh, well, I pull van freights. Where do you pull it? Well, wherever. What kind of freight do you pull? Well, whatever there is. Don't do that. Become a specialist. If I want to pull van freight, and I'm going to pull it off the load board, whatever happens to be there that day, what kind of things would I be able to do to differentiate myself from everybody else that does that? Almost nothing. Are, are, are there lots of mega carriers pulling that kind of freight? Yeah, that's where most of them are. Are there lots of owner operators pulling that kind of freight? Yeah, lots of them. 400,000 motor carriers in this country. Right from day one, I want to be different from the mass, from the herd. So I want to find either freight that I'm going to get really, really good at. I helped an operator specialize in hauling glass. That's a niche. I know owner operators that haul very high-end cars for individual customers, make a lot of money doing it. That's a niche. I have, I said, I've said many times, if I went back to, to driving a truck as an owner-operator again, I know my niche. I want to pull really high-end boats. Because think of the cool places you get to go to. The marinas in you know, West Palm Beach. and That'd be fun. 
must be cool to be around a really big boat. And those people have a lot of money. They have a really big boat, they have a lot of money. So I go do something like that. Find a niche. You know, define your model and be very, very clear about it. The last two days we talked about the elevator speech. The elevator speech is a 30 second, no more than 30 second speech that tells anybody what you do as a business. And I gave mine, mine's four seconds. Mine, for my business today, when I'm here and I meet somebody new in this industry and, and I want to build a relationship or they ask me what I do, I help people who own trucks become wildly profitable. That's my elevator speech. Now, could I talk for about three hours about what my business does, all the little details and podcasts and radio shows and such? Yeah, but nobody wants to hear that yet. That's what we always want to tell the long story. Tell the short story. Get really good at defining what your business is about in a way that's interesting. And then internalize that. That's your business model. Let's get it defined. And I would say absolutely create a niche. And then you have got to know your numbers. And then build relationships. Um, somebody came up to me this morning and asked a question. It was a good question about, you know, what do you do when you know, you got a loan from a broker and you get there, nothing is, we could all go through all the kinds of problems that could happen, right? They told us we had an appointment, we didn't. You know, the appointment is until tomorrow, and we got there today. It was supposed to be this weight and this many feet, and it's not. We all know the problems. And he said, what's the recourse? You know, legally, what can I do? Is there anything I can do? I don't even care if there's anything you can do legally or not. Because once we involve legalities and contracts and all that crap, we've all lost. We don't want to get to that point. I tell people, I don't care if you have a recourse or not, move on. But what we want to do is not get to that point. And you get there because you're doing what most owner-operators are doing. I have two phrases. You're chasing the rate and you're involved in one and done. The brokers use that phrase a lot when they talk about you. Yeah, he's a one and done. Here's what I mean. The typical model for a new owner operator or a guy that's been doing this for 20 years with his own authority. I know this, we have statistics at truckstop.com. They go on the board, they search for the freight they're looking for, and I can tell you with real accuracy the next click they make. They sort by the rate. Just bring the highest rates to the top. Well, that seems logical, right? We all want to get paid the most. They're, they have a statistic about this. How many people do that? Sort by the rate. And then they call whoever comes to the top. If you do that today, and two days from now you're looking for a load again, and you sort to the top, what are the odds that the same broker is coming up? Almost none because there's 10,000 brokers. And then four days from now, when you go do it again and you sort by the rate, what are the odds either one of those two brokers are coming back up to the top? Almost none. You are now chasing the rate and you're a one done. And what incentive does a broker have to really invest in you if he knows you are not coming back? He has none. 
Stop doing that. First off, if you don't know your numbers, the dollar, you know, I should use rates like 250 a mile today, but I'm just, you know, the dollar 70 a mile freight many, many times can be more profitable than the dollar 95 freight. But you'll never know that if you don't know your numbers. Why could that be? There's a thousand reasons that I could show you. If I had a three more hours to go through numbers, I could prove that to you over and over and over. So first off, you're chasing the wrong number to begin with. Does the very best freight make it to the board? Why not? How do they move it then? They have relationships with carriers. If, if, let's go back to the customer thing. If I'm a good broker, and I know who my customer is, and I have to provide value to them to be successful, and I'm sitting on my best load, do you think that I'm gonna answer the phone from somebody I've never talked to, never seen, never dealt with, and say, oh, here's my best customer, take this load? Hell no. They, would, they wouldn't be in business long. They're never going to do that. The only way you're going to get that, that load, the one we really want, the, the board is still a great place for a lot of reasons. But your goal should be three to five really good brokers that you build solid relationships with and they call you and give you their best load before they ever think about posting. That should be your goal. That's how you become wildly profitable, especially in this market. Are there really stupid rates being offered right now? Stuff I never thought I would see. People are talking about the stuff that's on the board, and it looks pretty darn good. I talked to the CEO of a, a trucking company that I have a ton of respect for. They've been around forever. A Canadian carrier, and I know the CEO. He's one of our speakers at the event I'm going to tell you about. And we were talking about how great it is, and he said, our rates are so much higher than they were just a year or two ago. We're, we're at what I thought was the top of the rates. And he said, I got a call from one of my customers the other day. Before I could say anything, she said, whatever your rate was today, I will double it. I've got to get this load moved. That is like a dream come true in any business. Would that same customer find a truck randomly on a road, road board make that offer? No way. You know your numbers, you build relationships. That's how you're going to be successful. If I have real value to customers, I can't say that enough times.